0: Two Geeks and a Marketing Podcast episode 88, the one about mobile filmmaking, local search developments, the Insta360 webcam and the film Red Sparrow. Let's get
1: on with the show. Hello, and welcome back to another recording of Two Geeks and a Marketing Podcast. We are back for more news, tech, content, and wisdom from the world of marketing. Joining me, I'm on a mission to keep marketing simple. The host of the Roger Video Series and the author of CatSmats and Marketing Plans, I give you Monsieur Roger
0: Edwards. Oh, thank you so much. And of course, I'm also joined by a man by a man who's also on a mission to demystify digital marketing. He's the host of the Content Marketing Studio Video
1: Podcast. Please welcome Monsieur Pascal Fontoni, all the way from La France. Yes, this remains an international production. And Roger, this is episode 88. 88. We wow. believe that this is a very lucky number in China. Well, we it? may have a handful of listeners and viewers i suspect um now if you're a first time you're a listener to two gigs in marketing podcasts our role is to provide a bit of light entertainment because the news are not so great at the moment and the weather is getting worse and worse and we're looking at the role of marketing in many different facets many different industries many different kind of execution including our very last segment film marketing yeah film marketing and do you know what Pascal, as the nights get darker
0: and the, as the wind starts to hammer against the outside of the house, isn't it good to
1: curl up on the sofa overnight night and watch a decent movie? It was your turn to choose you know, the, the movie for film marketing. You're going to take us through to an interesting world, shall we say? The world of
0: espionage, the world of seduction. The world, well, Russia, effectively.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, your selection is Red Sparrow, the 2018 kind of uh, spy thriller, action thriller. People are having difficulty actually putting a label to which, which could be part of our discussion. And you've done the research, you're going to take us through from teaser posters to kind of PR stunts. I just can't wait. But before we do so, let's begin with our very first segment in the news.
0: TK Maxx has become the first major UK retailer to launch its 2022 festive advert, Nail Christmas for Less, promoting affordable
1: Christmas gifts amid amid the cost of living crisis. Wow. Well, according to a study by Sitecore, ninety-one percent of marketers, Roger, intend to invest a proportion of their budget into the metaverse over the next five years. Although sixty-five percent feel consumers do not understand the idea of the metaverse, I'm not pretty sure that the marketers understand the idea of the metaverse.
0: To be honest, Pascal. Anyway, a survey commissioned by the IPA suggests that fifty-seven percent of consumers want brands to keep prices fair. Thirty-six percent want brands to freeze prices on value range products, and only. 5% want brands to entertain
1: and make them laugh or smile. Mm, we're doing its recent unbox 2022 conference Amazon announced the launch of its video builder product to help small and medium-sized businesses create immersive assets such as tutorials, demos and well unboxing videos. Less than 20% of marketing agency staff have returned to the workplace most or
0: all of the time, according to a recent survey by Forrester Research. Ongoing challenges
1: include product development, B2B strategies and privacy expertise. 5G connectivity is overhyped and many users are yet to experience improvement in mobile speed and reliability, according to a new study by USwitch.com. Oreo Thins and
0: Microsoft have teamed up to host virtual snack breaks, and participants can order limited edition cookie packs that, com- that come with a dunking tool modeled after Microsoft's
1: original Office Assistant. Wow, well, a new EU law signed off earlier this month makes USB C connectors the standard charging technology in the EU. Apple has confirmed it will ditch the Lightning port for USB C on its phones, but only because it will have to. <laughs> Interesting. One of the benefits of Brexit, you see, is
0: the UK doesn't have to sign up to all this ridiculousness about USBCs, but of course... Apple will do it anyway, so we'll get it anyway. So yeah, hey. because you are you are the iPhone user of this little duet, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and I have to say though, Pascal, they started using USB-C in the iPad a couple of iterations okay. ago. So I've got an iPad with a USB-C in it and an iPhone with a Lightning socket, which means that I actually do have to have two sets of headphones. I'm, I'm one of these people who is old fashioned as headphones with the with the uh, wires, mm. and I have to have a separate set of headphones for the iphone and a separate set of headphones for the ipad because believe it or not apple don't actually do a a socket which changes the um
1: lightning to a USB-C, which is madness it is a bit so let me quickly take you to i'm going to merge a few announcements to get your reaction um tk max Mm. being the first to go for the festive adverts, but also this idea of more for less or as good as you know for less then you've got that survey around this idea of what consumers want, which is about keeping f- prices fair, keeping you know prices the same, and only 5% wanting brands to entertain or make them laugh. I just wanted to kind of pick up on this idea of on occasion in marketing, wit and humor is such an uncomfortable territory, particularly when we have the cost of living crisis. I think it's a very difficult year
0: this year to get the balance right, isn't it? Because people are genuinely, genuinely struggling. Uh, I mean, just to illustrate it, Pascal, I noticed a lady who comes to one of my uh, combat classes posted a photograph on Facebook yesterday. And this is how she's trying to get her kids to think about energy consumption so you know the thermostat box that you often have on the wall in the house with the 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 dial that goes from off to very hot in terms of temperature she's actually put a little placard on the top of that sort of saying when you turn the dial that way instead of turning uh, instead of making it the house colder it it means more christmas presents if you turn it to the hotter (laughs) it says less christmas presents and i actually thought that was an absolutely genius way to explain it to a child but it also made me really sad as well to think that people are having to think like that you know it genuinely is if you want it warmer less less christmas presents if you want it cooler more christmas presents and and that is scary so marketing people are going to have to think in those terms aren't they when they're sort of trying to prove promote product and get people to buy stuff for christmas
1: yeah and i think brands in particular by extension therefore the the, the communicators behind the scene because they are often behind the scenes they're, they're often being accused of being tone deaf or not reading the room and there's one example at the moment there is a supermarket chain in france who's gone for a series of adverts, and they've, they've been taken out of, of uh, tv and radio where it's a scene which is meant to be funny about a, um, uh, a father to explaining to the kids that one euro is a lot of money and that they can't afford to do this and the other, that they have to save. And I, I could see the intention, but the execution completely fell miserably because mm-hmm. it was almost uh, a bit cringy to watch and a bit mm-hmm. embarrassing, but also very sad to say, yeah, there are people who are now initially counting some teams or pennies and, and cents around the, the world where actually the increase of a product by one euro or one pound is is too much but i don't think it's a uh it's a scenario where you can laugh at. You know, it's not, mm-hmm. it's, there, there isn't the, the witness one. So you've got to be super, super careful. And there is always already stats, people saying, well, I'm going to spend less this year because I've got less to spend. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to really wait for um, that infamous Black Friday. And the reason why five I've used a listener is done infamous because Roger and I, about a year ago, give or take, we reviewed the um, the aftermath of Black Friday and some brand saying, this is the last time we're doing it because it just kind of was conducive to some very strange behavior. Offline and online, mm. so so I think you're back to this idea of becoming someone's favourite by doing and saying all the right things in a manner that is not, um, I would say, back to the term cringy.
0: Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, we've got to really tread a very fine line this year. I
1: think I want to combine t- two more news, if, if that's okay with you. Um, it will to do with this idea of five G connectivity being overhyped, according to one in six of People interviewed by USwitch and this own business of metaverse. And I am torn about this one because I totally understand the need to announce something novel. I really subscribe to this idea of presenting, you know, a new initiative, a new solution with great enthusiasm. But it's about timing. So if you're going to spend literally the next five years of inter- educating people about the metaverse, I think you've got to rethink the whole thing altogether. And I can't remember how long we've heard you and I in the UK in particular about 5G. It must be at least three to four years, and we're still not there. I mean, another example I, c- I could cite for you would be the electrical cars and charging points. Yeah, yeah. When something takes so long, Roger, it's a bit of a worry, isn't it? Yeah, I mean...
0: 5g is an interesting one i mean i don't have 5g here at the house in uh, on the edge of edinburgh if i go down to the harbor for my coffee there is 5g there and you know there have been times when i've been trying to get a website to load and i've actually had to go into the settings on the phone and change it back to 4g because even though it says 5g at the top absolutely nothing happens it's like the connectivity is broken or something so uh, yeah you you the, the amount of hype that surround some of these things I think sometimes raises expectations to a massive level and that can only lead to disappointment I think the thing about the metaverse as well is, and we've said this on the show before, it's all right talking about it, but nobody's actually defined what it is I mean some people will say, oh the metaverse is like like a, a game like Fortnite, a 3D environment." other people say met, um, the, the metaverse is where you have to actually put a helmet on or whatever they call it an oculus um helmet and and that the sort of virtual environment that's the metaverse other people say well actually no it could just be a 3d sort of representation of something on a screen in a normal browser window uh, and and everybody's sort of saying we've got to invest in this we've got to invest in this but nobody to me has actually done what all marketers should do before they build anything, and that is define what is the customer need that you're meeting and then start to build your product to meet that customer need. And I'm just not seeing what customer need. All these people shouting about the metaverse are
1: actually meeting, and I don't think they know. No, and I mean, the only time I thought, right, thank you very much, that makes sense was when I report back to you, the house of Instagram, the virtual conference, when there was some of the product designers saying, this is how we see the metaverse being used, essentially short lived PR stunts. And I kind of go, well, okay, I understand that. And they could cite a few examples. And and to your point about video games, Fortnite, which I know you are a very keen player, is a short-lived session. It's not like the kind of games that I play where you can spend an entire day (laughs) just exploring the open world. So I think you got back to this enthusiasm about metaverse and five g and all the others. You 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 need to really present it in a way that is plausible. And it's not plausible for people to spend three hours a day entire day in a metaverse, but it is plausible they spend ten minutes to observe the demonstration of a product. You know, we're, we're gonna talk about Amazon and so on. So I think you're back to you're right that what is the definition? What well, is a description and almost using the analogy of this lady with the uh, thermostat you know can you paint a picture can you invite the theater of the mind so that I can imagine something or I can imagine myself or my client in that situation otherwise what you' are doing is sharing with great enthusiasm and great kind of impetus um, you know, facts and statements that no one can relate to yeah absolutely. Whoa, that was an interesting <laughs> debate. Um, quickly, do you remember the Microsoft original Office Assistant? Ah, oh. is that the uh, um, uh, pit, uh, what do you call it? Um, the paper it Was clip. a paperclip. Paper yes. What? Well, <laughs> I I think just before I could be wrong. There was also the dog. Do you remember the dog? Oh yes. just a dog too. yeah, just after. oh, oh So anyway, so when, when, if you were to take part in the Oreo and Microsoft snack break, you would get to watch uh, videos of dogs. <laughs> as well as eating your cookies. I have to say, Oreos
0: always taste like soap to me, so I tend not <laughs> to eat them. <laughs> yeah, I much prefer good
1: old-fashioned McVittis yeah, and dark chocolate, Jaffa Cakes, bring back Jaffa Cakes. <laughs> All right, so on that, please, the listeners. so what would be your favourite snack for a break? And then, who knows, we may even send you some in response to your wonderful comment. Let's slow things down, if you don't mind, Roger, with our next segment, The Content Spotlights. All right, Roger. Sir, so I cannot wait to hear and see what you've chosen for us this week. Well, Pascal, I'm going to talk about filming using
0: mobile phones and specifically using the iPhone 14, which is the very latest version of the iPhone. I can't believe we're actually on iPhone 14. It's scary, isn't it? Our lives are now measured by the number that comes after the word <laughs> iPhone. and. It, it, this this struck a chord with me because as as you often say at the beginning of the show, I do the Rod Vlog video series. Uh, I do watch quite a lot of vloggers on YouTube, and it's very interesting. You know, there are the sort of original vloggers, people like Casey Neistat, who of course have got millions and millions and millions of subscribers, and then there are quite a few travel vloggers that I follow on on YouTube, and they're all still in that cohort of people that lug around gigantic cameras, loads of lenses, and these gigantic sort of um, microphones with um, fluffy dead cats on the top of them. Because everybody used to say, you know, you've got to have a DSLR camera to get the best shots. And and I subscribe to that, Pascal, in buying my own Lumix um, G85, because I like to have that blurry background and and that bokeh effect by having a decent lens but a couple of things happened to me recently that made me realize that mobile technology is fast catching up with these mega big cameras almost to the extent now where i genuinely question whether than other in pretty specific circumstances, you would actually want to lug a gigantic camera like that around with you. Now, I was on holiday in Tenerife recently, and... We always travel when we go on holiday with hand baggage only because we cannot be asked to stand in the check-in queue at airports for hours and hours and hours. So we always manage to travel with one or two carry-on bags, which means you've got to be very economic with what you're traveling with. So no Lumix G85 this time. I simply went on holiday with my DJI Pocket 2, the GoPro, and my iPhone. Now, the one, the DJI Pocket 2 is fabulous it's it's so small and i've talked about it on the show before and it does that bokeh effect and it and is just absolutely great but the battery life is pretty rubbish on it so I got to the stage one day I was out I went for a walk I was away for about four hours which was a lot longer than I would planned to be and of course the battery had gone on the DJI and I wanted to do some walking shots with the iPhone now I'd done an upgrade an update to the filmic pro app on the iPhone which included uh, an enhancement to the um, stabilization and actually Pascal The stabilisation was absolutely astonishing. I I, I hadn't really noticed it before. I could walk along, I could run along, and the iPhone, uh, thanks to Filmic Pro, effectively ironed out all the judder completely. It was like it was on a gimbal. And that's another thing that a lot of vloggers will carry around is these gigantic gimbals. And it just made me realise that, you know, unless you absolutely have to these days you can do everything you need to on a mobile phone in fact the only thing i've been using the lumix for recently i have to admit is when i want to get really up close to something and i've got a a really nice long 140 millimeter lens and i can do a proper zoom in and retain the quality that that i have to say the phones haven't caught up with that yet so that's a very long preamble to this week's content spotlight which is by a guy called tyler Stahlman, and this is a video where he basically analyzes the updates to the iphone in the guise of the iphone 14 and the incredible camera that the iphone 14 has now i think the iphone 14 pro max has a 48 millimeter sensor on the uh, megabit sensor on the on the camera which is is astonishing i mean i think the lumix g85 sensor is 24 megabits so this is twice the size of a big camera and what i like about tyler's video is that he's obviously a bit of a techie so he understands video composition he's a bit like you he's got all of that sort of director's knowledge and angles and he understands lighting and he understands uh you know perspective and all of that sort of thing so it's lovely to hear him talk about how to set up shots but what i like about this video is he does it all from the perspective of the iphone 14 camera and in fact he doesn't even use he he actually makes a strong argument as to not using filmic pro he actually says you just use the native app because that's actually pretty good as it is and and that's all i'm actually probably going to say on this content spotlight because to actually talk through a 15-minute video and, and explain to you all the things he said would, would, would be unnecessary. I really do think that if you've got a phone, if you're serious about making great video and you want to just elevate it a few notches, go and watch this video and listen to how he, he talks the tech behind the iPhone and how he sort of juxtaposes that with his obvious knowledge of video production. And I think it's a really, really good 15 minutes well spent.
1: Now, thank you very much. And you know what's interesting? Uh, I love to go uh, onto YouTube, find those follow along videos almost. So I purchased the Samsung S22 Mm -hmm. recently because I am the Android user of this little duet. And even though I could have gone myself and go through the settings and and learn much, there was nothing like following somebody else Mm -hmm. who take you through and and usually they're a bit of storytelling or they are in a very interesting location. And I think it's about also remembering the the new settings or the new features of that phone that um, is just a great experience so thank you very much Uh, thank you for tyler too because i know well you and i know, know how long it takes to plan produce and then publish those kind of videos so thank you very much for the selection now this week for me it's a return built from last week on local marketing and local SEO. You may remember we had the team from Near Media and Near Memo Podcast as part of the creator shout And actually very quickly, a big thank you to Near Media for sharing the news by the podcast on, on Twitter. It's much appreciated. So today I want to talk to you about an article written by Miriam Ellis for Moz.com. The title is Nine Local Search Developments. You need to know a band from Q3 2022. Now Miriam is also the owner of a web design agency based in San Francisco Bay Area. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> I mean, that sounds so exo- it's so much more exciting. Saying I've got an office near Durham or Edinburgh, you know, San Francisco Bay Area, and she's the local SEO subject matter expert. And you know, I'm I exploring this. You know, but this idea of it's fascinating. that In the US, they cover local marketing a lot more than they do in the UK or even in France. And what she's done, I know that sometimes those articles with the number 9, 10, 7, whatever, people can can be dismissive. I think they call them listicles. But I chose it because also the way it's been crafted is very interesting. All nine of items about the local search development are full of quotes from experts, either events that she's been to, even that she's attending virtually, or even have been reporting back to her, so it makes like you're reading a conversation, which I think is a very very interesting hint for all of us if you want to write articles using that kind of numbered list. But also every time there's links to resources and so on, so a lot of work has gone behind it, which makes it a, a very good example to follow, as well as listing for you not right now the nine uh, elements. So. I'm going to go through the nine just as a teaser for you to read the articles in the manner in which Roger a moment ago teased for you to watch the YouTube video. And then i ask you a couple of questions which are from you know the content. So uh, item number one is all to do with reviews on your Google business profile. Some of the changes in there, which I think you need to look into. And I think for many of my customers, when we talk about Google Business Profile, formerly for known as Google Google My Business, and then before there was Google Places and before there was something else, it's always the sphere of the negative review. And what I think um, Miriam is saying here is take the initiative and, and just get on with potentially being listed on Google Maps and securing your your spot properly. Um, Google have gone through their helpful content update. So make sure that within Google business profile, you have the option to actually, even just simply copy and paste recent articles and social media posts, make sure you do so and be seen and heard being helpful. You've got this idea of communication. So one third of all complaints written on a business on the Google Maps is all to do with poor communication. Not answering the phone when I make an inquiry, not um, getting back to me for an after sales care call and so on, so we need to get back into that. Um, The whole business of do you show your address or do you hide your address is part of the language of Google Business Profile and Google has made it a bit easier to make a decision. Now, interestingly, on Google Business Profile, someone can ask a question. And then the idea being that the community can answer the questions. They've now made it possible for the owner of the business to create their own FAQ within the listing on Google Maps, which is, I think it's a big, big plus there. I mean, literally you can have up to 10 FAQs listed against your profile. Bear in mind that, you know, the rule is the more uh, comprehensive. If your entry is on Google Maps, the better your ranking. I think it's really worth your consideration. Um, number six, people can now search on Google Maps and filtering by days of the week and time of the day. So make sure that your hours of operation and more are being kind of listed. Number seven, uh, consider your location carefully and make sure that it is named and think about all, all the you know, consideration when it comes to your local SEO. Um, number eight, experts have spotted a Maps photo pin. So now All of us will know the red pin when you look for a location. It would seem that Google has been experimenting by changing the um, the pin into a much bigger green pin and in the middle of the pin there is a photo of the business. It seems to be an experiment, it's not showing all the time. So the advice from Miriam is no matter what, because it is a feature of Google Business Profile, keep adding the photos that you so happens to be sharing on social media, you're just repeating the the same work. And finally, don't neglect um, local listings. So there is a, a company called Nextdoor, and it's one of many where you can essentially go online and fill you know, your profiles in, in some time, even a, get a premium listing using advertising. But there is essentially that correlation and co-citation that Google is using. So if your business is listed on respected, well-known and well-managed um, kind of directory, let's call them that, and the details match what you've put on Google business profiles, you're going to get some brownie points and an increase in your in your ranking. So these are on the nine. But for me, it was fascinating. It was all to do with this advice around the number one complaint. By and large, is that people get in touch with a business and nobody is answering. And with what we're looking at right now, with this idea of I'll choose you because your customer service is better, because your price is better, and so on. The advice from Miriam is you know, with all these nine things being said and done, be sure that your texting, your live chat, your phone staff are trained and ready to answer questions. This is really interesting, isn't it? Because I guess
0: on the whole, you and I talk about digital marketing, i.e. online marketing for businesses that are predominantly operating online but you do forget all of those local businesses you know whether it's a a cafe or a decorating shop or or a pet shop whatever it might be this is the sort of business could, that can really benefit from so, some of the stuff that you've just been talking about and i think it's a it's a good reminder for us because we talk so much about online businesses to remind ourselves that there are So many traditional businesses out there, bricks and mortar businesses, I guess you could call them. And this sort of thing, I bet uh, half of them don't even know they can do this. So the opportunity for the people who do know or find out about it, I'm thinking about my friend Pelham who runs Mm. Ren Rock Cafe here, you know, they could really steal a march on their competitors just by filling
1: in a few forms on Google. And, and typically for me, and I'm and I'm talking myself into this because I was pretty good on the business profile, but then I had a bit of uh, having a gap, so I need to go back. Is simply repeating what you're doing on Twitter, Facebook, uh, and more. I'll give you another example. I was volunteered by a bunch of friends to organise a restaurant one evening. It's like you know, thanks, mates. So I had a flying visit back to the UK, and the reason I chose look local- location was the presence of the photos. I could see the restaurants mm-hmm. more than the other that were listed you know, near Durham, so I chose that one. Secondly, when I booked the table, and I did it via Facebook Messenger Granted, the, the speed of the reply was really good, and it was very friendly, very conversational. Uh, I was signed by an individual. When I, when I walked into the room, they knew my name. I said, Are, are you serious? I am. Oh, I spoke to you on Messenger. She so you create that real meaningful human connection via mm. digital tools. And, and I think sometimes, you're right, the platforms don't make it particularly inviting or easy to understand. But it remains for me that what is now called Google Business Profile is by far one of the small business secret weapons. We're going to move on now if you don't mind, and continue to explore what it means to be a marketer into today's economy with marketing tech and apps. Okay, Roger, what wonders, what treasures have you found that could make life easier as a marketer or content creator? All right, Pascal, this week I've actually only
0: got one thing to talk about, and the reason I've only got one thing to talk about is there's probably a lot to say about it. now. <laughs> It's sort of linking back to what I said in my content spotlight about using iPhones and other mobile devices as cameras. One of the areas where digital technology really hasn't Uh, advanced as fast in terms of cameras, and I think we've said this on the show before, is webcams. You know, we get a new iPhone every year, we get a new Android phone, Samsung, whatever make it is, pretty much every year. Most tech things like GoPros and and DJIs and and all of those, there is a new iteration at least once every 18 months, probably every year. And as I say, you could almost measure your life now by the number that follows either the word iPhone or the word GoPro, etc. But with webcams, most of us are probably still using a Logitech C922 or a C920, which were originally started to be sold back in 2010. I think the C920 is 2012, but nearly over 10 years. And webcam technology hasn't really Developed. We've talked a, a, a bit in the past about the Logitech Brio, which is a 4K one, but it's genuinely regarded as not being a very good webcam. And I think I've talked before about using the aforementioned lumix g85 as a webcam by plugging it into an elgato cam link in order to use it as a webcam but that has issues in in sort of latency is that there's quite a lot of lag between the camera and the audio so that can be a bit of a of a nightmare one of the reasons why i don't use that when we're recording this show so i'm looking at the moment at the logitech c922 which is over 10 years old now I think we have finally come up to date (laughs) with webcam technology and I've only literally found out about this in the last couple of days, Pascal. So I'm basing what I'm saying on again, YouTube videos of people doing reviews of this. I am going to buy one because it's just incredible. It's called the Insta360 um, AI powered link webcam. now. If you actually look at this thing, it looks very much like, believe it or not, the DJI Pocket 2 camera. It's a three axis gimbal. So it's got that little sort of camera that swivels in three different directions, sitting on top of a mount that, obviously, as all webcams will do, will fit on top of your screen, will fit on a tripod, will fit on whatever device you want to put it on. But this access gimbal gives it complete maneuverability and stability now if you're one of these people that hammers your desk when you're talking to people the gimbal will compensate for that you know it's just it's just incredible but that that that's that's a sort of minor thing what this thing can do from what i've seen on the website on the web, on the um, youtube videos is just incredible it's also 4k mm-hmm. now obviously you know if you're doing a zoom call or a teams call i think you're still limited to 720p or maybe 1080 if you've got a professional account or something like that and a lot of the webcam live streaming software still Have a maximum of, I think, 1080p at 60 frames per second. But you have got that ability to record in 4K if you want to just use it as you talking to a camera. Now, previously, you know, you might have had to replace again, put the Lumix up there, put a GoPro up there, put a GGI Pocket too. But the, the quality of this thing. Is as good as the mobile phone, is as good as the DJI Pocket 2. So you genuinely could do face to camera videos just using this webcam. So it's got 4K, it's obviously got 1080p at all the different um, um, FPSs, etc. It's also got the ability, as the DJI Pocket 2 have, to track your face. So you can make it zoom in on your face, and if you move, in either direction, it will follow you around. Indeed, if you get up out of your chair and walk to the other side of the room, it will follow you. So you could literally do a presentation at your desk, get up, go to a whiteboard, go to a bookcase, go to a product demonstration or whatever it might be, and this thing will follow you. And the quality is remarkably good. And it will zoom in on you as well if you want, as you get up and walk away, you can program it to do that the software that comes with it from the looks of it gives you control over all of the things you would expect the uh the brightness the the shadows the the highlights the saturation the iso the uh, aperture all of those things are controllable it it just looks like a proper proper camera rather than what we've seen so far with webcams but not only that pascal They've also built into it hand gestures, and this is just incredible. So there are certain hand gestures that you can do to make it zoom in. So I think if you'd make an L shape like that and move your hand up and down, then it will zoom in and it will zoom out. There are other things that you can do to get it to uh, shift between. different You may have a preset where it's looking down at your desk. So you, it's looking down at your desk to sort of highlight a product that you're describing or showing to somebody you can do a hand gesture and it'll flip back up to a second one and there are all sorts of other things that you can do there as well now i have to say that as somebody who uses his hands a lot when he talks (laughs) i wonder how that will go with me this camera will just be completely and utterly freaking out because i'm i'm telling it to do all sorts of things just by moving my hands so that's what that remains to be seen but then the other pretty incredible thing is that it's got this ability to focus in on an area in your room and then flatten it out. And this would be useful for people who like to do demonstrations using whiteboards, writing on whiteboards. So what you get when you get this um, camera is a a few little stickers with edges, like little um, corners, and you put them at the four corners of your whiteboard. And this thing will recognize that as you whiteboard. And again, you can do it as a hand gesture or you can do it as a button on your um, on your uh, PC. It will then swivel the camera and focus the camera directly on the whiteboard. But from whatever angle you're at, it will compensate and then make it look like it's actually fully in frame within those little guidelines. I mean, that's astonishing. I'm not a massive whiteboard, Person, But I know a lot of people do use whiteboards and for people like that, who are maybe doing webinars and they want to actually interact properly and draw things and write things, that is remarkable, absolutely remarkable. Uh, And the last thing that it can do, obviously it will stream. And a lot of people I know like to stream in portrait mode and again another flick of the button and because it's a three-axis gimbal it just goes like that and you've immediately got your portrait mode for um, streaming so this is absolutely at the top of my wish list i suppose the downside is it's quite expensive it's about 300 quid which is around about the same cost as you would pay for a GoPro these days or a DJI Pocket 2. So it's in that same ballpark. I just thought I would hang on for a week just to see whether there were any Black Friday deals that might bring the cost down a little bit. But I'm afraid, Logitech C922, your <laughs> 10 years sitting on the top
1: of my screen here are probably coming to an end. Wow. Well, do you know, as I was listening to you, i pretty much removed Anything I had on my Christmas list as I was <laughs> as we were approaching December, thinking this is what because of the what I'm hearing a lot actually in the marketplace is about this idea of this is a last product you need to buy. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm kind of waiting a bit like you for the MacBook Pro with the M2 processor. People mm-hmm. say, mm-hmm. get that. And if you look after your, your kids, you won't have to buy a computer ever again, perhaps a bit ambitious. But again, we, we need all of us in the in world of business, we need to, to kind of get the kit that once and for all is going to allow us to, to operate and work. And I'm super excited. In fact, I was thinking this is probably you know because you've almost taken without you know talking about it. You've taken on the role of the hardware tech you know kind of guy. (laughs) I look after the software side of of this um, this podcast. This should be like maybe a dedicated ebook. But this is like you've excelled yourself. This is stunning. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you very much.
0: <laughs> so what so, have you
1: got on your um, Well, on that very point, list. software. So I've been delivering a few workshops recently around content marketing, whether it's for social, SEO, website, even customer service. And we're back to imagination. We're back to this idea of because time is, is compressed, because actually on occasion we're not in the best frame of mind, we just sometimes uh, struggle a bit to come up with the next set of you know, article, the next set of videos, subject matter, and so on. So you mentioned a moment ago, you could use the iPhone fourteen to do a enormous amount of stuff, but you need to come up with a story. You need to come up with you know the hooks and so on. So. A couple of things that i would like people to try out. in addition to the many many kind of online solutions you and i've spoken about on the show there's a platform called also asked the, v- the verb asking also asked and it's actually a um, kind of uh, easy to use solution where you put a keyword or a short phrase and what it does it that uh, it presents you with a maybe the 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 main question people have asked, but then give you the secondary and tertiary questions people have asked on the same theme. Now, why would you want to use that? Well, because essentially, what you want to do is create a series of articles exploring the challenge, the question of the trend thoroughly. We I mean, we've said it on the show before, we've really have moved on from the one off articles, if you want to explore how to do video marketing in an iPhone, you have to explore it thoroughly, that means you're going to go back at it more than once. So also ask suggest that if you can start with a question why dot 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 dot, but then explore the what questions and uh, the when questions and uh, you know, all the others. And then once you've created the six seven eight twelve 12 articles, of course, as we've recommended many a time here, you can then repurpose all of that into an ebook. This is the video marketing guide for using your, your iPhone. So they also ask there to trigger and stimulate your imagination, but for you to really be encouraged to explore something thoroughly, and more than once. Then the other way you could do it, let's say it's writing is not your thing or the kind of research to you is just too data-driven. I came across this great mobile phone app, which I'm just trialling at the moment, called Snipped. So S-N-I-P-D, because of course it's an app, you have to misspell the word. And what this does, it's uh, using a search function, it will find and help you save and share highlights from podcasts. So you could be listening to a show, you can put a keyword, content marketing, because I'm lacking imagination on this occasion. It will tell you not only the podcast, but where within a conversation the, the term content marketing is being featured. You can then listen to the extract, and this extract could be a source of inspiration for you to then elaborate and explore with your own content effort. But I love the idea that you can then share that highlight. So conversely, if you are a podcaster, is it worth your while exploring being listed by Snipped and to be the very person to share the highlights with a view of increasing your visibility and credibility? So something that Roger and I will try out for 2 out in podcasts. But again, the idea being you use Snipped uh, to find information in a audio form to be inspired to come up with your own come up with your own content creation.
0: I mean, this is really interesting. I I love the also ask thing. I mean, Mm. there is another website out there that I've reviewed before on the show. It's called something like answer the public or ask the public. I can't remember which way around it is, but that sort of gives you the high level questions. And we all know that very good content marketing strategies are really all about answering the questions that your customers have about what you do. But sometimes again, maybe you're for time or you just don't think it through, you tend to only answer the very top-level questions. And I think this allows you to go and dig deeper, doesn't it? And mm. your content has got to get better because this is effectively saying, okay, that's the question that somebody's asked, but you've got to cover these other things as well because those are the secondary questions. So I love that.
1: Excellent. Well, listen, we've said this every single time. None of this would be possible without the hard work and education of pioneers and visionaries of the distant and recent past. So it is time to move on to This Week in History.
0: In 1815, George Boole was born in Lincoln, England. The famous mathematician is the inventor of what is now known as Boolean logic, which became the basis of the modern
1: digital computer. Wow, I didn't know that. Well, in 1994, the domain name Amazon.com is registered. Today, the brand is, of course, one of the most popular and successful online shopping platforms. By the way, Roger, the domain name is up for renewal in October, 2024. Do you think he'll
0: renew it? I'm sure he will. In 1997, Titanic, directed by James Cameron, starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet, premieres at the Tokyo International Film Festival and it won Academy Awards Best Picture in 1998.
1: In 2004, Firefox 1.0 was introduced, sometime abbreviated as FF. Firefox was Mozilla's next-generation browser and included such features as tabbed browsing and pop-up blocking. I love that. We are currently on version 106. Wow. Wow. I mean that's incredible. Again, I
0: see I, I, it was a sort of throwaway line before about measuring our lives in terms of the numbers that follow the word iPhone. But I suppose you could do it all over the place, couldn't you? Look at, mm. uh, um, you know, Firefox version one hundred and six. Wow, that time marches on, and and all of this technology is 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 marked in some way by the passage of time. But I I remember. But using Firefox when it first came out, because I always used to find Internet Explorer very clunky, and Firefox was an absolute revelation. I still have it on my computer now, although I do tend to use Google Chrome more than anything. But it's still a
1: very good browser. It is, and and I think it was back to – it felt at the time, it still does – but the browser was put first, so the pop-up blocking mm-hmm. feature. It was like people were delighted because particularly back in the days, there was some such bad behavior on the internet with all the pop-up windows and more. But um, I, I just didn't know about the Boolean logic. Uh, it makes sense, I suppose, that it was uh, linked to a real person. But 1815 became the basis of the modern digital computer. Uh, I, pff, I just can't even get my head around that, sorry. 1815 i mean my goodness that's sort of like um I was thinking
0: isn't there an 1815 overture but that's the 1812 overture but it's close <laughs> but i mean that's that's a long time ago and and uh, you know it's like you always say we can trace back all the things that we rely on today to somebody in history but wow 1815 that is that is pushing it a bit now titanic is a film have we done that on film marketing yet We haven't. We haven't. It's probably one that should be done. I mean, what a film. What a film. Um, One of the... I mean, it's one of those historical events that has always fascinated me, the sinking of the Titanic, the story behind it. Um, And the film, I thought, was just remarkable. And, And also, that film is also a masterclass in editing as well because i i remember buying the the double dvd when it came out and mm. there's probably about almost an hour of deleted scenes on the video on the dvd and even an alternative ending which is actually complete rubbish compared to the actual ending but um, James Cameron takes the time to go through each of those scenes that were deleted and obviously the alternative ending to explain why he took mm. them out. A lot of it was to do with test audiences, etc., etc. But it's just a masterclass in, if you're a geek like you and I are, it's a masterclass in why you've got to edit films. I mean, the film was nearly three hours after the edit, for goodness sake, but it could have been
1: four hours long and it would have been a poorer film because of it. What's interesting for me I remember people saying why would I want to watch a film when I know the ending you know? <laughs> and and you kind of go yeah fair point but actually storytelling it's all about being driven and kind of completely taken on to a, a journey with characters that you can relate to uh, and I think to not just the casting but actually you know the preparation and, and the acting I found myself at, at the movies I was with um, Denise and um, her mother at the time Forgetting about the event that was about to happen yeah, because I was just yeah. completely transported by the world and the cast system and the dialogues, and, and of course, you know, some of the scenes. And and when it happens, you, you're almost surprised because you've completely forgotten there's going to be a, a very large ice cube, you know, making its way towards a Titanic. Yeah. And it's one of those films, again
0: it just fires up your interest in the subject. I mean, after I'd seen Titanic, I went away and did a lot of research on the actual boat itself, you know, the and the construction and and of stories about some of the people who lost their lives in it. And 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 what a lot of people don't know is there are actually 3 of these ships. The Titanic was one of 3 almost identical ships. I think the uh, the other two were called the Britannic and there was one called the Olympic. And ironically, the Britannic also sank. I think two years later, um, or it may have been into the beginning of world. I think it was into the beginning of World War Two. But the Olympic, which was almost a, uh, almost a clone of titanic went on sailing well into the 1930s uh, and a lot of people don't know that no well i
1: didn't so thank you very much for that roger <laughs> excellent well, listen always a pleasure to walk down memory lane but let's get back into the present with our next segment the creator's shoutouts. okay roger so who is under the spotlight this week well,
0: Pascal, it's another YouTube shout out this week, and the guy I'm going to shout out is called Calvin Dyson. What a great name that is, Calvin Dyson. Nothing to do with Dyson Hoovers, of course. Now, recently, um, we've we've uh, had a couple of weeks off, um, two geeks and a fine uh, and a marketing podcast, whilst um, you and I have been travelling around various parts of England and UK and and Scotland and France. Whilst we've been off the air over the last couple of weeks, it was the 60th anniversary of the release of the original James Bond film, Doctor No, back in 1962, the 60th anniversary of the first Bond film. Now, Calvin Dyson has a unique YouTube channel. He does reviews of James Bond films, and that's it. And you would think, well... (laughs) <laughs> after he's done twenty five of them there's not really a lot else he can say is there but this guy he's done short reviews he's done in depth review i mean I think the the review the in depth review he did of no time to die was about two hours and a quarter long almost as long as the film absolutely painstaking detail that this guy goes into and he always wears a tux when he does his um <laughs> his filming which i think is quite a nice uh, nod to the look and feel of the james bond films and if you want an example of a real geek who loves a specific subject and has made a successful youtube channel out of it i think he's got about 60 000 to seventy thousand subscribers which for a narrow subject matter like this is actually a really massive achievement and he's really enthusiastic and he loves James Bond and he talks a lot of sense about it and I agree with a lot of things he says about the best films and the worst films and the quality of the actors and etc etc so if you want to immerse yourself in James Bond on YouTube check out Calvin Dyson and his link is in the show notes
1: Thank you very much. And I love because you know, you and I choose shout towns on the basis of learning points and lessons. And this idea of the ability to revisit something, to go short form, long form, and so on, it's, it's sometimes what we need to be reminded of, you know, back yeah. to what we do. Um, my selection was a discovery on a flipboard, you know, my kind of go to uh, content curation app. I've gone the phone. And I came across this incredible article written by John Clark, who is the managing partner and chief SEO officer at Moving Traffic Media. And he wrote an article for Search Engine Journal entitled 110 Top SEO Tools that are 100% free, 110, 110 tools. And I was intrigued because to begin with, I think well, as people will know, uh, SEO has been my, my first entry to the world of digital marketing, training, and public speaking, but I almost took it as a challenge of how many of the 110 do I know? Potentially I've forgotten about, but also how do you do that? How do you construct you know, the article? So very, very smartly, what John Clark has done is created, if you will, chapters or, or segments, I would call them, and he has all the different tools across analytics, keyword research, links, Local SEO, Mobile SEO, On-Page SEO, Research, Rank, Checking, Site, Speed, and WordPress SEO. And I would suggest to you that this is one of the most comprehensive kind of account of what is available nowadays for small business owners, for marketers, for people who are looking into improving their understanding of SEO. SEO. now john clark and you and i would say you don't have to use all 110 god forbid but it is about this idea of do you need to maybe refresh your set of toolkits do you need to on occasion be a bit more curious but i would say that out of the 110 i knew about two thirds so i did discover a lot that i i didn't know which i will explore you know over the coming weeks weeks and months. but for me it's just the the time and dedication to create that listing, to organize it, to write the descriptions, to put the hyperlink, to check that everything is working, uh, it has to be kind of celebrated and complimented. So here it is. My selection this week is John Clark for the 110 top SEO tools. Just goes to show,
0: doesn't it? If you have an absolute passion for something, whether it's James Bond films or whether it's SEO tools, you can produce some remarkable content.
1: Thank you very much, everyone. Roger Edwards, we have reached the final segment of Two Geeks and Marketing podcast, film marketing, just after this. So Roger, you chose Red Sparrow, 2018 action spy thriller from Francis Lawrence. Let's watch the official trailer together first. Honey, Mama. What is it? I have to go away for a while. I was told to take a man to a hotel. They said he was an enemy of the state. Take off your dress. And in exchange, my mother would get the doctor she needed. Instead they cut his throat. There could be no witnesses. So they gave me a choice. Die or become a sparrow. From this day forward, you will become sparrows. Weapons in a global struggle for power. You'll be trained in psychological manipulation. You must learn to push yourself beyond all limitation. Take off your clothes. When we are finished with you, the person you were will no longer exist. Every human being is a puzzle of need. You must become the missing piece and they will tell you anything. You have a gift. You know how to survive. This is what you were meant to do. There is a traitor in the government. His last known contact is an American. Get close to him. I thought I saw you in the
0: pool yesterday.
1: Are we going to become friends?
0: Is that what you want?
1: Sparrow, you only matter because of what you can do for them work with me and make these men pay You are better at this than any of us Your only problem is you have a soul We can't trust a word that comes out of her mouth There's
0: something else we're not seeing it
1: If she's compromised, she will be eliminated. What have you done? You belong to them. They'll never let you go.
0: I'll find a way. Wow, wow. Now, Pascal, lots to sort of unpack from that that trailer. Obviously, it's an espionage movie. Obviously, it's an action thriller. Obviously, there's a lot... Of American Russian tension going on there. Uh, Quite a lot of intrigue, quite a lot of pretty, pretty heavy duty violence involved in this film as well. And maybe when you watch that trailer, it gives away a little bit about the story, quite a lot of background about Jennifer Lawrence's character, Dominika Eragorova. What do you think of it? Because you've only just watched this for the first time in the last couple of days, haven't you? So, yeah.
1: Because when you got in touch, say, let's go for Red Sparrow. I I thought that had seen it only because I thought I would see some of like this, but I got it wrong. I had seen Atomic Blonde, which was a year before. Mm. I had seen Anna, which was a year after. Mm-hmm. But Red Sparrow, I don't know. I, I just completely missed it. So saw it two days ago. And what an experience. I mean, visually stunning. I mean, you could see the work they did on on, on preparation and storyboarding had paid off because there were some moments where you kind of thought, how did they lit that? Because literally, it felt like very complex and you had moments where the light was almost facing the camera camera, but Mm -hmm. you could still see. The choice of colors was absolutely uh, amazing. And I did some research. The uh, director of photography or cinematography was Joe Williams, Mm -hmm. who had worked with Francis Lawrence on the um, Hunger Games, one of my all time favorite vampire movie, 30 Days of Night as well. He worked on that Mm -hmm. and a few others. So So you had this, it was very classy. It felt really exquisite to watch, but then you had the contrast of the violence, mm. and of course, the highly sexually charged scenes as well.
0: Yeah, and I mean, the the background of the film is that uh, Jennifer Lawrence's character is a ballerina, Dominica, and she has an injury, so she can't be a ballerina anymore, and she gets recruited through various different uh, reasons into what they call the Sparrow School. It's a Russian intelligence service where effectively she's trained to use her body and her mind as a weapon. So there's quite a lot of sexual um, uh, overtones, uh, as, as you've said. And it's all about using, and there are men and women at this Sparrow School, it's not just women, using sex and psychology to seduce spies. Now, what I think is fascinating about this is not only is it based upon real historical events, but you can actually trace a similar idea, and here's another link to what we've been talking about earlier, back to the second James Bond film from Russia with Love, which if anybody's watched that recently, will know that one of the characters in that, Tatiana Ramon, Ramon I can never say Russian words, I'll just call her Tatiana, <laughs> Ramonova, I think she was called, uh, is effectively the sparrow. She she tried, She's there to seduce James Bond in order that the, the russians disguised as specter at the in the in the time can actually try to get james bond on their side or to kill him and this is the same sort of idea and i think that what is quite fascinating because obviously we live in a in a world now where any sort of sexual angle to a film people have got to be very very careful about how it's portrayed you know there's a fine line between abuse and what is acceptable especially in the me too era and when i was doing the preparation for this i think the marketing people around the film had a lot to get their heads around when they were putting together the campaign so when you're marketing a thriller which has such clear sexual overtones in the era that we live in now and an actress as well who's probably been quite prominent in in the vocalization of the Me Too era. They had to be absolutely perfect with how they did this. And also, we, you know, we, we do live in a time where tensions between, particularly the United States and Russia, and I suppose the UK and Russia as well, are probably on as balancing on the knife edge more than they've ever done for the last 40-odd years. So again, you, you're having to market a thriller at the time when those tensions between those two countries is at a nail-biting um, place and again they've got to be careful and of course it was a non-franchise film as well coming out at a time where you've got all the marvel characters all the all the other franchises grasping for space how could they make it stand out so they went into this with quite a lot of challenges and i think came up with something which was actually quite simple which as we know, I love my simple, uh, and I think, but I'll I'll see what you think. They actually managed to fulfil those objectives and actually portray the film in the right way. So it's not just a film for people who think that they want to go along and see um, Jennifer Lawrence just take her clothes off all the time. It's not that sort of film. You know, there's an absolute reason for why she does what she does. There's a lot of re- absolute reason why all the violence so it all started with really quite subtle teaser posters the first teaser poster was pretty much a a, a red image of jennifer lawrence's face red sparrow and the the space between the word red and the space between and the word sparrow is effectively one of her eyes looking directly at the viewer and the strap line underneath says seductive Deceptive, deadly, and they've picked out the word, the the letters S P Y in those three names to spell out spy, and that is effectively it.
1: So that was quite quite an intriguing setup. I think about the the the, the teaser posters. I mean, you and I, you know, we should maybe create a book with all our favorite teaser posters, because what I like about it as well is, you know, there's obviously. Uh, little whispers about some of the themes you're going to see mm-hmm. in the movie because mm-hmm. you're not you're not seeing the movie, but you can go back to the posters and understand it even better once yes. you've seen the film. So the, the three words that you've um, you've listed it plays actually to the code and decoding messages of the the. Um, character, Nate, played by Joel Edgerton, Mm. where he has to put a ribbon of paper around a pencil which positions a letter into... A message, and so it happened that on this one they played the, the Gorky Park, which is infamous for a number of reasons. Yes, I was saying to Dennis watching it, Oh, I used to do that as a child. We used to actually send messages to each other across the classroom, you know, and you had to <laughs> roll the piece of paper around your your pencil, which was the, the one with the hedges, the, the kind of HP, um, and you could read, you know, whatever people had written, and also. I know that Martin didn't have had a kick because seductive, the first S, then you have deceptive, which is right in the middle of the word, and then spy in the last letter. You've got also that lovely um, angle going on. Now, interestingly, I came across a version of this poster which were almost silver in quality, almost black and white, mm. and which look absolutely stunning. And I was saying to this, this movie is so well filmed. You could watch this in black and white, almost like a, yeah. a classic Cold War uh, movies from the 50s and 60s. I I absolutely agree. I
0: absolutely agree. It's cinematically absolutely gorgeous. Now the second poster, which was effectively the same, I think it's the same shot of Jennifer Lawrence, but this time she's actually got her arms around a mystery bloke. I imagine it is actually Joel Edgerton, Nate, but you don't actually see his face. But again, she's looking directly at the viewer, and the strap line for this one says, I know your secrets. And that's really what the film's about. Yes, she's using the power of her sexuality in the film and the power of her mind to ensnare people, but a lot of it is about getting into people's lives and learning their secrets, which can then, of course, be used Mm. by Russia, presumably to blackmail and to coerce. And again, I think it's it's a very simple poster again it follows the theme it's a nice sort of uh, move forward but again there's something just a little bit scary about that isn't it she's looking directly at you i know your secrets and wow we are definitely dealing with a spy or espionage
1: story here what I liked about the, the second iteration of, of that teaser um, poster is back to, you see both eyes now and, and the stare you know, of, of the character that she plays it's just it goes through you and you can see a bit clearer as well the calligraphy that shows of Red Sparrow. It's kind of it's got that elongated calligraphy that you see a lot representing Russia and Eastern Europe, but slightly you know degraded and slightly grungy as well. And the reason why I'm pointing that out is because what we'll see later on on social media is that they keep replaying this beauty calligraphy to this to the film because it's its own signature really yeah now we come to the trailer so we've already watched
0: the full trailer and mm-hmm. I mean the, the full trailers it's it's over it's about two and a half minutes long isn't it and, and it's got it's got a lot about the story in there it's got a lot about the background as to how Dominica becomes injured and goes through the training at the school and then becomes a a sparrow and starts to use her uh, abilities to try and ensnare Mm -hmm. the uh, the american character but the other trailers that they put together the teaser trailers and the tv spots are actually a lot shorter you know some of them are less than 30 seconds and they focus in on well, the original teaser trailer was much more sort of a montage of the training sequences. In fact, one person suggested that it was almost like Black Widow's training in in the Marvel movies uh, or or the Black Widow's training that we should have seen in the Marvel movies. And the one I particularly like is the Super Bowl spot that they did. Now, we all know that the Super Bowl spots are probably the most expensive um, advertising real estate in the whole of the marketing world aren't they so you've got to use your time absolutely perfectly and 30 seconds probably cost them multi-million dollars but again you've got that 30 seconds exploring the origins of dominica and effectively the the reason why she is desperate to survive and she she's effectively been manipulated by by Russia, she's been manipulated by America in the end, and ultimately she wins out in a very clever way. And I think that the Super Bowl tr- trailer to me just highlights those little qualities that she's actually got a plan all the way through this film, even if you don't know she has. And it isn't until the end when it all comes together and she effectively walks out of it having won, and you think, oh. I didn't see that she'd done that. Oh, I wasn't noticing that at the time. But the Super Bowl spot just hints at it, and I love that.
1: Well, I like about it as well, you know, whether you go from the teaser trailer to the official one to the kind of um, themed, you know, TV spots, because that's what they were doing, you know. Are are they looking at the character? Are they looking at the mission? Are they looking at the different forces? Um, you, You get a different experience, and you could either choose to just stick to the trailer because you don't want to have any spoiler, or you can enjoy the way in which the filmmakers are allowing you into the, that world. And I'm just going to add that I've seen, since you know we prepare for the show, people being critical of the movie for a number of reasons. And I know that at a time where perhaps you know we've seen more high octane and kind of action scenes, scenes after action scenes, this feels like a very long, slow movie. But I, I'm my view, I was into this. You might find that this is actually the way it really happens spine yes. there must be spells of weeks months, you nine know, years where nothing much happens but when it does oh my god and i mean you mentioned the action scenes they are so surprising when they happen because you know there's no lead up to them yeah and they are so shocking in the kind of way we've been filming execution that each time you get such a jolt remind me of a bit of um, japanese cinema like uh, if you watch a japanese thriller they, they go and have an inquiry and they, they go through following the clues, and not, literally nothing happens. It's almost like existential. <laughs> and then, bang, this almighty moment of violence appears out of nowhere that really kind of scares you. And I would say, for memory, there's maybe six or seven bits of action in the movie, but they really stand out. Yeah, absolutely do. Absolutely do. And. Yeah.
0: I agree with you on that slow burn. I mean, it is quite a long film, isn't it? It's about two and a half hours long. That's right, yeah. Um, But it, it, it is, again, one of those films where you do find yourself holding your breath quite a lot of the time, even in the scenes which aren't, fast-paced, you do find yourself holding your breath. So I think that that's, that's tantamount, uh, that, that, that's indicative of the talent of the director. I was also quite interested in the website and social activity that went into the marketing campaign. Now, unfortunately, from what I can gather, whilst the website still exists, I don't think it's as, as rich as it was at the time. Why um, do they do this, Roger? Yeah. I don't understand, you know. Uh, I mean... <laughs> If you go onto the website now, it's effectively a one page and you've got the links to the TV spots and to the trailers that we've already discussed and a couple of pictures of the posters. But I I think from reading um, some of the other reviews from people at the time, there was a lot more rich content on the website at the time. There was questions and answers. There was, there was uh, um, a lot of information about the sponsors of the film and about people who Placed products within the film and I think that's a bit of a shame that they've obviously decided to uh, take that down I mean, it's nice that they've kept something there but I'm thinking well why wouldn't you have just kept the whole thing all the in, all the social accounts are still there. The Instagram, the Twitter, the Facebook is still there, and you can go on there. Uh, obviously, there's nothing has happened on these websites on these um, socials for a few years yet. But it did make me wonder. They posted during the campaign on Instagram 175 posts, and I think they've got something like 60,000 followers, which isn't bad. Mm. Is 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 a hundred and seventy five posts a good number of Instagram posts for a movie promotion? I don't know. Is there ever been a, a benchmark set for the number of posts that you would put for a movie? Just makes, just. I mean, I don't know the answer, Pascal, but it's interesting just to think
1: about it. Well, suddenly the campaign would have started officially, although there would have been a build up with teasers and, and, and teasers of teasers in September of 2017. You were talking about challenges actually. Well, interestingly, the day was changed a few times because actually twentieth century Fox had a few properties as it would call them, uh, and wanted to be to be released at the same time. So it got pushed to a March the second release. It was a global release as well, which I yeah. think was very interesting. Um so give a take, we're talking about a six or seven month campaign. So that gives you roughly, you know, to the tune of twenty thirty post a month, one a day and mm-hmm. um, what has been interesting for me to observe in uh, sometime you have parity across the social network. That is to say whether you go on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter or others, you have a similar experience. It feels to me, judging by the, the post and the reactions to on that Twitter was a more uh, it's a successful and impactful um, network that, that they use. It's just fascinating yeah. to, to observe. And I would say Facebook the, the least um, in terms of action reaction. And within Twitter, you have things like fans, you know, who'd gone to the movies taking selfies with a, the massive red posters because yes. it's so striking. You had you mentioned the live Q&As being reproduced and so on. And why you wouldn't want to have that on your official website is a mystery to me. So it's fascinating. Uh, it, Sometimes it could be the audience who decides. Sometimes it could be, of course, the, the marketers themselves. But Twitter seemed to have been the network of choice. And
0: there was quite a bit of product placement within mm. the film uh, bmw and the vodka brand stoly is it stoly or stoli i don't know um, were particularly particularly highlighted within the film again unfortunately bmw have taken everything down so there's nothing left from their part of the campaign there's more information about stoly out there and in fact there's a very interesting article you can read um, from the time and Stolly themselves were aware of these issues. this is quite a sexually charged film. It's quite it, it, it feels to a certain extent as if it's quite exploitive, exploitative of the men and women who were taken to Sparrow School and they were aware of this fine line that they will probably have to tread during the marketing so I thought it was quite interesting that they were aware of these issues as well but they felt that they could use their brand to promote it in in a, in a good way and I think that they succeeded and obviously throughout the film it's obvious there's quite a lot of vodka being drunk uh, that's a bit of a cliche isn't it Russia and vodka but, but <laughs> I, hey. I was thinking as I was <laughs>
1: listening to you that it probably was uh, one of the better product placement for BMW because if they go with Gems Bond or Mission Impossible the cars get trashed <laughs> exactly. This <laughs> one being a more sedate movie, the cars were intact. <laughs> exactly, uh, one of the and and this this is quite an
0: interesting one, and it was almost like out of the blue. But there was a street campaign done in yeah, Toronto, very nice. and again, genius idea. It started off with just one lady dressed as the the uh, Dominica character. So she had a, a long red wig on and a black. Uh, long black coat that sort of Russian uh, that Russian look and she was in the square handing out effectively cards saying come and see this film but as the day goes on more and more ladies dressed in the same clothes and the same wigs the same red wigs filtered into the square until the whole square was effectively a sea of these women with red wigs hanging it, handing out these business cards, asking people to go to see the film. And again, I thought I quite like that slow creep as you started out with one of them and then there's more and more and more and it built up during the day. Quite intriguing. And from what I can gather, it was a very, very successful, if incredibly simple campaign.
1: I love a good PR stunt and oddly, this form of guerrilla marketing is what movies are best at because we mustn't forget that this is a world of entertainment, mm. and there's no reason, as we've seen you and I now for eighty-eight episodes, why shouldn't the marketing campaign be entertaining as well? Yeah, and and extend and expand upon you know the, the movie whether it's before or after. I mean we've seen we've seen marketing campaigns who are completely kind of blown up after the movie was seen because people went back online to express their views and, and so on and so forth uh, on the subject of, of views I mean you touched upon it about you know critics and, and and the likes I think we're back to the that critics versus movie goers but mm-hmm. where fans of the film and uh, looking now at the images that I can see on social media I thinking, oh that would have been so good to see this on a big screen. So, moviegoers have loved the film. They love everything that the, the the filmmakers have done, and the critics have been a, a bit more uh, scathing and and saying things like well, the page was off or and so on i've got the feeling as well that there ought to be a, a director's cut back to what you're saying about a titanic it feels to me sometimes that the, the the scenes to have to be that have been removed and I, I can't mm. put my finger on mm. it and um, in particular i've got a feeling that the full version if there is one would have more of joel edgerton yes. because you know in terms of the balance and if you feel the same
0: yeah i think you're right i think you're right it's um i mean It, to me, felt as if it was definitely, okay, the film's called Red Sparrow, but the film was definitely about her character and his character. And they each have a backstory. They each have a very, very vital role to play in the film. But we learn so much more about her and and less about him, even though I think, as you've said, he is a key player in the movie. Um, And, of course, you know, there is a, quite a big twist at the end over the identity Mm. of uh, we we can't we can't say the plot point because it will ruin it if you've not seen the film but there is a big reveal at the end which again took me a little bit by surprise and I wasn't expecting it so that was good so I started Mm. thinking about this with that you know that maybe they were being very very careful with the marketing here because it could the, uh, the film could come across as being sexually manipulative. And I'm just actually going to read out the uh, the words from another review of the film, which I think sums up the way that the campaign was, was um, undertaken. It says, The campaign never feels manipulative or creepy. It obviously conveys that there's an element of sexual manipulation to the story. It would be hard not to, obviously. But it doesn't make the sexual manipulation the central selling point and this guy says which is actually quite a nice change because it would have been very easy for them to have you know draped jennifer lawrence all over the um posters wearing underwear or or whatever and made it very much more about the sexuality of the film but they didn't they kept it to that secretive spy espionage mind mind games that was very important to the movie and therefore I think the marketing campaign worked
1: Excellent Wow, listen everyone this has been episode 88 would you believe, thank you so much for watching and listening to Two Geeks and a Marketing Podcast please subscribe and leave comments in usual places until next time, go out there and make sure your marketing is done right Here was Roger Edwards and I was Pascal Fintoni